You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, and this is your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Great to be with you today as we talk about the New York Jets. If you like our show, subscribe to it wherever podcasts are available, and please leave it a good review. We are going to start talking about Jets free agency, in particular, the players the Jets have whose contracts will be expiring at the start of the new league year. We're going to do this over a couple of days. Ideally, I think today we'll do offensive players who are going to hit free agency. I think tomorrow we'll do defensive players and special teamers who are going to hit free agency. And we'll focus on the key guys. I mean, there may be some lower level guys we may not discuss um, and I think we'll we'll do the mailbag on Friday this week because you know, I don't want to mailbag. Typically, we do our mailbag shows on Thursday, but I don't want it interrupting this series. It would be I think it would kind of throw things off if we did offense today, uh, mailbag tomorrow, and defense on Friday. So I think we'll do offense today, defense tomorrow, and then we'll move the mailbag this week to Friday. So you have a, you, may, you probably have an extra day to get your mailbag questions in. So like I said, we're going to look at the key Jets who are going to hit free agency this year. And I think on the offensive side of the ball, the guy who will get the most attention is Robbie Anderson. Robbie is about to hit unrestricted free agency. He actually was a restricted free agent last year, but the Jets were able to bring him back on a one-year deal. And for me, this is a tough one because, first of all, this is a kind of guy you want, I personally, personally would want to bring back because He's a homegrown player. He's a homegrown success story, not just and not just homegrown, an undrafted free agent, a great find for the Jets, who's developed into a quality receiver in the NFL and an excellent deep threat. It's tough, though, because this is free agency. In, in an ideal world, they could have gotten something done sooner. And I think every day we get closer to free agency makes it less and less likely the Jets are going to be able to keep Robbie. And he even said himself that you know he's not going to look to sign a new deal with the Jets before he hits the open market. And there's just not many good receivers this year in free agency, which means Robbie could end up pricing himself outside the Jets' territory. Now, there's a website, SpotTrack, that does a lot of analysis on NFL contracts. And I think he's, Robbie's the one guy where they make they made a projection Spot track this time of year makes projections for what the best free agents can get on the open market, and they estimate Robbie's probably going to make around twelve million dollars, which honestly I think is a little bit low. And that one's a tough one for me at twelve million because I could see it going either way. I could go either way on that one. You know, in in an ideal world, I would want to keep Robbie at maybe like eight million or so per year. I could see stretching to ten million though just based on his skill set because he is a good deep threat and I do think he has got pretty good chemistry with Sam Darnold but this year there's so there's so few options that I could see myself even stretching a little bit more I think you know at eight million dollars I'm fine I'm good with the deal I'm good with re-signing him at 10 million I don't love it but I, I'd probably do it at 12 million I could go either way but I understand it if they do it because I feel like twelve million. You're probably going to live to regret that deal. I feel like you're you're not going to. I guess the way I would phrase it is, you're probably not going to get that kind of value. It's probably not going to be a great value contract for Robbie. But I think where the Jets are right now, it's not just about you know, max. It's not just about spending efficiently, although that's important in the you know in the big picture. I think you know, one one contract that's not so great won't crush you. 
And if you're going to do it, you want it to be for a receiver who has chemistry with your young quarterback. And, you know, I look at this Jets team right now, and the draft is deep at receiver. You know, they might be able to get a receiver, but I also don't like counting on rookies. And I don't want to reduce the quality of the weapons around Sam Darnold because it's, it's not good enough to begin with without losing Robbie Anderson. Now, you get to a point beyond $12 million. If Robbie's in the 14 15 16 $17 million range, at some point, it's just crazy money you know and then you're paying him like an elite receiver which you can't do at 12 million that's probably the limit where i'd stretch and i'd say all right i can live with that even though i don't love it because it really needs to be a priority not degrading the level of talent around sam and i don't see many better options than robbie and i certainly don't see many options that i would project to be more cost effective than robbie so you know i could live with that you know, is Robbie a great receiver? No, but he's a quality receiver. You know, is there a lot of upside there? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, the thing with Robbie is he's very, he's a very inconsistent receiver. He's very inconsistent week to week. You know, you, you look at his season this year, there were only six games where he was over 50 yards. So, I mean, every, there were only six games out of 16 where he was, so 10 games where he was under 50 yards. And that's not great. In fact, nine games where he was under 40 yards. So he's very, very much a feast or famine kind of receiver. You know, I, I talk about, you know, people talk about, are, are you a number one receiver? Are you a number two receiver? And in some ways, those labels aren't necessarily accurate. What I'd call Robbie is like a high variance receiver where there's like maybe four or five games a year where he looks like it, where he just lifts an offense on his back and carries it. And then there are a lot of games where he just does nothing. And that's kind of the way it goes with his playing style because people will say, well, you know, the quarterback missed him on a deep route when he was open. Well, if you're relying too much on deep routes, that's kind of part of the story. That's something you have to expect because deep passes are difficult to hit. So every single receiver who runs deep routes are going to have moments where he's open and his quarterback misses him, but he's a better deep threat than most, most of the receivers. He's an upper echelon deep threat in this league. And that has a lot of value because when he hits again, he takes over a game. You know, how much upside is there? Is he trending up? I mean, I don't think you could say he's trending up. In fact, let, let me give you let me give you a stat here. I may have given this to you before. His first three seasons, let me give you the averages for his first three seasons in the NFL. 52 catches, 760 yards, five touchdowns. In 2019, 52 catches, 779 yards, five touchdowns. So, I mean, I think you have an idea of what Robbie is. And that has value in this league. I think there's... There's no question to me this has value, and he's a guy you'd like to keep. You'd like to keep, a, especially a player who's, who is a homegrown player, an undrafted free agent who you've developed into a quality starter and one who has chemistry with your quarterback. I think in an ideal world you'd keep him. I think my upper limit would probably be somewhere you know in the that range that ideally I'd like to keep him less than 10. I can live with it if it's 10. If it's 12, I understand that I don't love it. And if it's above that, I mean, you get to a certain price where even lowering the level of talent around Sam is just unavoidable because you, you get to a point where every player is just too much money. So that's kind of where I stand on the Robbie Anderson situation. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. 
Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. You get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but mental fitness is also very important, and Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and they've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so that you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. LeBron says that getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you go to calm.com slash locked on, you get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature stories LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditation. And as I've mentioned on past shows, I enjoy this app. I think this app's really good. This is something that I use. I'll admit, I don't use Blue Chew. I do not use Blue Chew. I do use Calm. And for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount for an annual membership. You go to calm.com slash locked on, unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, calm.com slash locked on for a 40% discount for an annual membership. Locked on Jets podcast here on a Wednesday, taking a look at Upcoming free agents for the Jets who play on the offensive side of the football. Let's move on to Kelvin Beecham. And I, I think you, if you listen to this show, you know what my opinion is probably going to be on this. And I have a feeling it's going to be unpopular among a large portion of the fan base because Beecham's not a very popular player. But I think this is a guy you, you almost have to keep unless he gets like really crazy with his contract demands. And I'll say this. I don't think there are many Mike McCagnan free agent success stories, but if you look back on it, this was a pretty good deal McCagnan made. And I, I remember being a little skeptical of the contract structure because it was kind of a risky deal at the time. Beecham was coming off a bad year in Jacksonville and they let him go. This has worked out pretty well. It's actually, it's been a pretty good bargain for the Jets. Um, you know, his cap numbers, his cap numbers the last two years have been $9.5 million. You know, even if you gave him a little raise, and I know a lot of people won't like hearing that, but I would not object to that. I think he's a guy, right now for the Jets, both of your starting tackles are free agents. Um, You know, Idoga may be able to step into a starting role, but uh, is he a guy you want to count on? You may have to, but is he a guy you you really feel good about right now? Yes, you'd love to draft somebody, but again, you got to have pretty low expectations for a rookie year one. So I think Beecham is a guy, listen, I don't love the fact that he's still on the team because I remember when they signed him, I thought he was going to be a stopgap player, and now we're talking about year four of a stopgap player. Yes, at some point I'd like to see the Jets address the tackle position long term, but I just feel like he's a good insurance policy. And yeah, if you leave him one-on-one against the elite ta- the elite edge rushers in the league, like Adam Gase decided to do against Miles Garrett, yeah, he's going to get destroyed. But aside from that, I mean, he, he holds his own. He's a credible starting left tackle, and you need a credible starting left tackle in this league. I've said this many times. The difference between a credible starting left tackle and a good starting left tackle is far smaller than the difference between a credible starting left tackle and a bad starting left tackle. A bad starting left tackle will destroy your team. He will destroy your offense, and Beecham is not that. Beecham's the kind of guy you can have some success with if, you, if the other pieces around him are good. And, you know, some people have thrown out stats about Sam Darnold's numbers with Beecham in the lineup versus not. And you have to be careful with that in the NFL because there's so many different variables that a stat like that with one player can be deceptive. 
but I do think there's something to it. I mean, it may not be in some ways that the numbers may be skewed a little bit because there are so many other variables, but I do believe that the Jets were a better offense with Kelvin Beecham in there this year. And, you know, if he's not the option, I mean, there are a few other guys out there. There may be a couple of other veteran stopgap options, but I don't know that they're better than Beecham. And Beecham's got his issues. Again, he's not, he's going to have trouble if you block him one-on-one against uh, elite edge rushers. He's not that physical. He's not a good run blocker. Ideally, you'd like to upgrade on him. But if you want, even if you draft a guy, I feel better with having Beecham there to kind of give you some stability for a year as that young guy works his way into the lineup. So I think Beecham would be a good guy to bring back. Now, if we're going to talk about a guy they should not bring back, it's Ryan Khalil. I mean, what else do you say? I mean, maybe thanks for trying. And I don't even know if I'd say that because I mean, guy made like eight and a half million dollars this year, and he was awful. And, uh, you know, uh, look, I, can, I mean, what can I say? I, I was hopeful for the move at the time. I thought it was a good move at the time. And there was evidence to suggest that he, you know, he was coming off a pretty decent year in Carolina. So I, I thought that there was reason to believe that they could squeeze another quality year out of him. Yeah, that didn't happen. He was just, just uh, he was one of the worst centers in the league. He looked like he was never in shape, I don't think. They just signed him too late. You know, I wonder what would have happened if they had signed him in, like, June and he had had time to work himself into shape before training camp. It seemed like he was kind of just trying to learn on the fly. He wasn't he wasn't really in shape because they signed him in training camp. He wasn't ready to play. He didn't know the system. I mean, if they just if they had done this like two months earlier, maybe it would have worked out. But I, I don't want to bring him back. I mean, I guess you could argue, you know, with an off season to prepare, maybe things will work better. I I've seen enough of Ryan Khalil. I'm about ready to move on from that one. And I'll say the same thing about Demarius Thomas. Uh, this is a guy, if people are too hard on Kelvin Beecham, I don't understand why people think Demarius Thomas can still play. I, I did not like the trade at the time they got him from New England. I mean, he did he barely did anything for the Jets. I've seen people suggest that, you know, he's a decent stopgap. I mean, I don't see that at all. I mean, how much did he really produce for this team? He had 36 catches, 433 yards, and a touchdown in um, 11 games. I mean, he's averaging 39 yards a game that's not very productive um just not i what's he bringing to the table i i remember watching him last year or 2018 when he was playing for houston i remember as i was watching i was like wow demarius thomas is about done and he was a great listen there was a time where he was a great receiver there was a time where he was a premium receiver one of the top receivers in the nfl and i would have loved to have had him back in his younger days in Denver. But, you know, heading into 2020 where he's going to be in his age 33 season, I mean, I, I don't – the big the big, the big playability is pretty much gone for Demarius Thomas. I think it would be a mistake to bring him back. I, I don't see what he brings to the table for this football team. So I'd be inclined to let Demarius go. Locked on Jets podcast here on a Wednesday talking about upcoming free agents for the Jets who play on offense. And we're going to move on to a guy who's you know, kind of a starter, kind of not. It's Brandon Shell, and I think there's—I would be shocked if Brandon Shell returns to this team. I think the Jets are going to let him go because they essentially tried to bench him, and then injuries forced him back into the lineup. But he was like the first guy to go to the bench this year, which I was a little bit confused by. But I think you know, ultimately, at his best, he's you know a passable starter. And at his worst, he's a liability. And this year, when he was surrounded in by guys who just were not that good, he was a pretty big liability. Now, I don't think he does. I don't think he was the first guy that should have gone to the bench. But uh, there's no denying his play was poor. And you know, he's not 
he's not super athletic when he has to protect the edge, and he's also not really physical. So he's not a great run blocker, and he's not the kind of guy you could move inside. He's just I just don't see where the fit is with him. I think Shell's going to be a guy who this offseason some team's going to see his starting experience, and they're going to give him a contract for way too much money. And the, that team's fans will talk themselves into it, and he, I think he's going to be kind of a disappointment. I mean, he's not he's not the worst player in the NFL. You know, the Jets got by with him starting for a couple of years, but I guess relative to where the Jets drafted him, you know, for fifth-round pick, he's probably better than your typical fifth-round pick, but not really a building block for a team that has designs on building a great offensive line. Again, he's not... He's not athletic enough to be a great tackle. He's not strong enough to be a great run blocker or move inside to guard. He's just, you know, he's kind of there. I, I don't have anything against him. I think, you know, again, relative, he's a relative success story, but uh, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's time to move on, and I think the Jets will move on. How about Bilal Powell? Now, this is a guy who just deserves nothing but respect for Jets fans. He's been with the team since 2011. He's been been with the Jets for a very long time, and for whatever reason, he just can't. Jets coaching staffs, all of them, go every single coach he's played under has. It seems like they've conspired to prevent Bilal Powell from getting playing time, and then eventually they're forced to give him playing time, and he produces. And I know this is crazy. People are going to say he's too old; they should move on. Bring him to camp now. Hopefully, you bring in some younger guys. This is a, this is the type of situation. Yeah, I was. A, this was the type of situation I've, I've addressed with some other players. You hope that like a veteran guy gets knocked off the roster because young guys perform, but I think he's a good insurance policy to bring to camp. I know the numbers this year weren't spectacular, but what running backs numbers were spectacular with the Jets. This Jets offensive line and the surroundings made Le'Veon Bell look like a scrub. Um, I'd bring Le'Veon. I'd bring him to camp on a cheap deal. He's not going to cost more than the minimum. I, I have no problem bringing him back. Ty Montgomery, and I could go either way on this one. I get if they want to let him go because he pretty much did nothing this year. I mean, and do you remember in training camp how the Jets were talking this guy up about how they were going to like revolution? If you listen to like the Jets coaching staff on offense in the summer, they 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 made it sound like they were going to revolutionize the offense with Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell playing together, and it never happened. I mean, I still think Montgomery's a decent player. I would not like Powell. I mean, I would not guarantee either guys presence on the opening day roster i would have no problem bringing him to camp to compete for a spot though i think those two guys i can go either way on it i I don't have i don't have a big issue with the jets bringing either guy to to training camp if that's um if that's what they so choose i would not guarantee either guy a roster spot though alex lewis now this one's a tricky one because he stepped into the starting lineup fairly early in the season and I mean his play's not great. I, I, this is one. This is another one. I, I could go either way. Just don't pay this guy too much money. If this guy's making much more than the minimum, then I have an issue with it because he's not that good. That said, and it, look, he was he was. I think he was far more part of the problem than he was part of the solution because I mean I don't think he was a good run blocker or a pa- good pass blocker. He maybe got off to a, he had a good first game or two, and then cut, things really fell off for him. The one thing I will say for him is that in Baltimore, you saw that. Even though he wasn't that good in Baltimore, he was not bad enough to bring down a good an offensive line that had uh, four other good pieces. So that's something you can say for him is that there are some players who are so bad that their presence on the offensive line as the weak link will totally destroy the offensive line. In Baltimore, his Baltimore days with the Ravens, he was not good, but he was not bad enough. He, he was a guy you could get by with. So if they're paying him, you know, if we're talking a multi-million dollar deal, then I don't love it. 
if they want to bring him back and let him compete for a guard spot, I mean, I don't have a huge issue with it. But this is not a guy. You know, I've, I've read some rumors that the Jets love him. I can't figure out why they love him because his play is just not that great. He's really he's, – he's a Jets offensive lineman. You tell me, should any of these Jets offensive linemen really be back? Do you have confidence in any of these Jets offensive linemen? I would say probably not. So if they want to bring him back for cheap as like a depth guy, as like a camp battle guy competing for a starting job, and they've upgraded other spots, okay, that's fine. Uh, Tom Compton, I would let him go. He was not good when he got into the lineup. I was hopeful that he could be a credible backup. You know, I remember praising the signing, and that was that one did not pan out. And then Brent Qualley, why is this guy? I don't even know why Brent Qualley is still on the team. How, how has this guy been on the team for as long as he's been? He can't, I mean, the guy can't play any position effectively. I'm sorry, but I mean, the guy can't play a single position effectively, even remotely effectively. You know, like Brent Qualley is like an example of a guy who putting him in there will destroy the offensive line, no matter how good the pieces around him are, because he's just going to be, he's not good enough to, be credible the way like an Alex Lewis is uh, it's time for the Brent Qualley era to end you know the Jets always have this the Jets always bring back one backup offensive lineman that irritates me it was first it was Ijalana now bringing back when Brent Qualley irritates me because they just should know better than to do that and then finally Daniel Brown the tight end man they can let him go he I don't know what he's I, I'd like to see the tight end position upgraded this offseason <laughs> We'll leave it at that. I like Herndon. I hope Herndon's going to be better after Herndon. I hope they upgrade the tight end position. That's all I'll say for right now. I'm sure we'll get into it more in the offseason. But that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. If you like our show, subscribe and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We will be back tomorrow to talk defense and special teams free agents here on the Locked on Jets podcast.